Hi y'all, welcome to the Search for Pink podcast. My name is Rebecca, and possibly in the background you are hearing my cat Rosie uh, playing with a hair tie. Tomorrow I'm going to be talking to Jeremy Slagle. I am, I've been listening to his podcast, I've listened to him interview people, I've listened to people interview him, I've been reading articles about him, and it's all fresh in my mind. And I was doing that thing that I've told you all I do where I like practice the intro over and over again. And it's in my head. So we're just going to like, we're just going to do it. We're going to intro this. So Jeremy's team actually reached out to me and asked if I would be interested in talking to him. Um, I'm pretty good at like fake until you make it. And I was like, yeah, okay. I looked into his stuff and I was like, this is what, you know, my podcast is about. I think I'd be interested because blah, blah, blah. They had already pitched him to me, but then I was pitching back. I don't know. I was trying to seem cool. Um, I don't know why I feel more comfortable telling the podcast I was nervous than I am. And I have to say, um, I feel like this is going to be a good space because Jeremy is like an established creator. It's his, he's been doing, um, running his own freelance for like 10 plus years and I'm this whatever I am and um, but I have this impulse maybe this will come up later with him um, to kind of self-sabotage because as soon as they were like here's this person he does conferences he's a speaker people pay to talk to him and they were like we would like Jeremy to talk to you I was like wait a minute is this like when Amazon says they want to give me $50 for no reason? And one of the beautiful things in the world about having a podcast is you get to talk to people you would never get to talk to. So, bum bum bum, who is Jeremy Slagle? So, Jeremy is a graphic designer based in Ohio. If you get on Slagle Design, it's like this gorgeous graphic design company slash team. It's all very like happy and modern and cool. Um, he works with a lot of nonprofits and small businesses to rebrand them and uh, come up with like a storytelling package. It's very impressive. It's very cool. He has written a book. No, he hasn't. That is a lie. He has illustrated a book. Uh, two books, Hip Hip Hooray Hippo and Chin Up Chinchilla, which are children's books. Oh, and they are written by the lovely Beth Stafford. Um, I listened to an interview with both of them. She seems delightful. Um, but they were both um, crowdfunded, GoFundMe'd, um, which was just they put out this idea to people that followed them and that was reshared and they were like, hey, would y'all be interested in uh, having these books for your children, which are about empathy and which, you know, I think like we do have empathy as a child, but we don't even really know what that's called. And also as kids, we're kind of jerks. And so I think encouraging empathy is good. So um, anyways, yeah, I have younger brothers and siblings. They are a mix of the most beautiful, kind-hearted people, and then you just see that selfishness as humans we all have come out. So hip hip hooray hippo, chin up chinchilla, and they say there's a third one coming. Um, and they were so lovely to send the books over, and it's been a lot of fun learning about Jeremy. Yeah, I, I don't know, I could talk about me being stressed out, but how fun is that? Not really. Um, anyways, I love you guys. I am going to do a great job, and all right, let's talk to Jeremy. What's up? Check us out. Oh, we're both early. Look at that. Yeah, I, that's one of my uh, that's one of my things. I'm always early for stuff. Oh, that is a great quality. I really appreciate it. It, it is. It annoys some people, but is it because it makes them feel bad about themselves? No, I just uh, I don't know why. My my one of the people I worked with for years are. Uh, when we would show up to like meetings and stuff like that was like, if you're not 10 minutes early, you're late. Mm, yeah. We're just kind of, I'm just kind of like that. Yeah. I have terrible time management skills. So I have to tell myself like, you're going to get there at 550, which means I will get there at six. Right. Oh, <laughs> um, anyways, thanks so much for joining me, Jeremy. Um, yeah, you're welcome. Thank you so much for sending the books. I read the chinchilla mm -hmm. one and I was just like, that is ridiculously because I've worked in um, customer service um, before and that because I don't know if you've ever had to do that. No, you worked in a bakery, didn't you? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Heavily creeping on you. Um, it's all right. <laughs> um, and I, uh, yeah, that's something with like empathy and with the chinchilla thing, which we'll talk about in a sec. Um, that is what I have to remind myself. I like constantly is I'm like, this customer is being so rude to me. They don't mm-hmm. think I'm a human being, but, yep. um, but yeah. Okay. So I know about your book, but it's not about me because other people are going to be hearing about it. I'm guessing right now you're kind of doing a publicity tour for Chinchilla in Hip Hip Hooray Hippo. Um, I don't, n- not really. And I think mm. that's probably part of the story. Um, it, if we, we've been asked, uh, we, we almost got picked up by a publisher and the author, she's a stay at home mom. She yeah. is a, uh, she's like super involved. She also, she's a graphic designer as well and works Mm. from home part-time while her daughter's in school. And just like the amount of time and requirements to like be at this book fair and, and be this person on social media and all this is just, we, we never set out to do this, to like change our, uh, you know, we, we, she wrote her first children's book. I illustrated my first children's book. Neither of us have any desire to become full-time author or full-time yeah. illustrator for children's books. Mm. Um, because like we're, neither of us are in a position to like abandon everything else we have going on all around and do book reading. So I, I we probably, we, we sold through our first uh, printing of them. We mm-hmm. just did a second printing, but it'll be a, it'll be a long tail. It'll be something that we'll sell, sell them out eventually, but yeah. Um, but yeah, we're, we're not, I, I was on a podcast, but he was really pushing us to like up our social media game. You don't really love social media. And I, I have Hate to it. say, dude, though, you are such a lucky duck You because you are in a situation where y- you're, um, you are like very, like you do jump to the top of like Google and stuff because people in my situation, which I think this is cool because I'm a creative, I've been freelancing and stuff for like a couple years and you're a couple steps ahead is like, I don't have that. You know, I can't be like, I don't like social media, but also I'm going to have a podcast. I mean, it's amazing that you don't like it and you don't have I to can't do stand it. it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Please I, tell me, I would love to hear more about that. Honestly. Yeah, absolutely. I used to like social media a lot more. Um, yeah. I kind of liked social media when it was more about, um, here's what's going on in my life. Here's the you know, the fun thing I did today. Um, mm-hmm. And I just feel like, uh, I feel like most of what happens on social media anymore divides people more than it brings them together. And I yeah. also don't like the fact that we we now live in a world where we've curated our own feeds. Like everything we hear, everything we say is an echo chamber. It's like, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't give us opportunities anymore to listen to other people. And I think that's where empathy is important is that if all we hear, you know, nobody watches the 11 o'clock news anymore. Nobody gets a newspaper anymore. Most people are getting their news from the internet and it's uh, a lot of it's uh, commentary. A lot of it's stuff that someone else has posted and mm. a lot of it's stuff that's like, a, a, you know, uh, hot button issues that you already have made, formed an opinion about. And usually because of who you follow, it comes in telling you exactly what you want to hear about that hot button issue. And so I feel like um, what it does is it it creates a lack of empathy where you aren't hearing somebody else's perspective. You don't know where someone else might be coming from. So I I think that's my biggest issue. Like I want to struggle with stuff. Like I want to hear somebody who I don't agree with position on something. And I want to know, you know, what brought them to that conclusion. And so I feel like, that's my biggest issue with social media. It's not the fact that you can post stuff. It's not the fact that we can share stuff. And I would say, you know, some of the stuff that's on there is fine, but I think the bigger issue is that I prefer having conversations with people with a coffee or a beer or mm-hmm. over a meal and actually like talking to people. Cause I feel like we, people will say things on social media. They would never, ever, ever say to someone face to face. Can I ask, was there like a moment in, cause like in 2020, there are a lot of stuff that social media has been very, very used for, um, different issues. Was there like a breaking point for you or were, did you just find it slowly getting more frustrating? 
Um, there was a breaking point. I had a candid conversation with someone I trusted and uh, about, you know, about something that was really, in, you know, not a big deal, at least as far as I was concerned. And then, you know, I come home, you know, a couple of days later and I'm like looking at my, looking at my, uh, I think it was Facebook and it's just blowing up where like all this conversation that I had very private conversation with someone is now being played out from their perspective on social media in front wow. of a lot of people. And I ended up being up till three o'clock in the morning trying to like defend myself and not to mention saying like, can we, can you call me? Can we like have a conversation about this? Yeah. Um, instead of, you know, having a conversation where, you know, if, if, if you and I were having a conversation and, and I said something that maybe hurt or offended you, or, you know, you, maybe you need more clarification on like mm. the normal way before social media that you would resolve something like that is you would say, Hey, you said something and maybe I'm taking it the wrong way, or, mm -hmm. you know, maybe it's out of context, but I felt like you said this. What did you mean by that? It's let's just blow this person up on, on, on social media in front of 300 people. Uh, and, and that, and that was it. Like for me, I was like, I'm, I'm just done. Like, I don't, I don't want to have, I don't want to have what used to be or what should be personal private conversations, mm. uh, exploited in front of the rest of the world, uh, like this. So. Can I ask we're like, and I mean, we don't have to get too much into this. I just find this very interesting. I haven't personally been in that situation before. And part yeah. of that is I'm terrified of that happening. And so yeah. I, I very much, um, people say like, Oh, Rebecca, you're wholesome. And I'm like, yeah, let's just keep it. I don't want to upset anyone ever. Um, which also then on social media now can get you in trouble where I'm like, I don't want to upset anyone. And then other people are like, and that upsets me. And I'm like, okay. No. Okay. No. Um, but were they trying to get you like canceled or was it like, I had this conversation with Jeremy about X and it's a hot button subject. Let's all argue about it right now on Facebook. Yeah. It, it wasn't quite like that. Um, it was just something that it was a, a comment that I had made off the cuff about something that was close to me and something that was dear to me. Mm. And then it uh, was taken completely out of context. And then that thing that was close to me uh, that I was, that I'm very involved with was more what got raked over the coals because of the conversation. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't explicitly about me per se, uh, but it was about a conversation where there was very, where there should have been a lot more listening and there should have been more of an opportunity for clarification. Um, I'm just old school. Like I, if I've got a problem with somebody, yeah. um, the last thing I'm going to do is go on social media. And, and even if I would have an opportunity to talk with them and we would still find out that we disagreed, like, I just don't think airing it in front of social media is a good idea. Again, mm -hmm. I, I think we all have our own, perspectives. We all have our own beliefs. We all have our own reasons for why we do things. Um, and I just think there's a time and a place, Yeah, you know? Totally. Um, so, and I just don't think social media is the place to do it. Yeah. It, I, I, I don't think it's the most, um, it, it's not going to do the job as well as a one-on-one -on -one conversation could, could yeah. do. I think, you know, there's a dopamine hit people get. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you look, there's, there's all sorts of scientific research behind this, but when you get a like, or a follow, um, mm -hmm. you know, people there's, a, there is, there's like a, a physical chemical dopamine hit that people mm -hmm. start to get addicted to. And I think that's, that's scary. I, I I'm honestly worried about the next generation yeah. uh, of people that, you know, there, there are kids that are struggling with depression and suicide when they mm -hmm. start to see that their Instagram followers are going down. It's well, just like, my, my little sister is 13 and, um, she's a dancer. Like she does ballet, like the nutcracker and stuff. And then mm -hmm. on TikTok, that started with dancing. And so she sees girls that are 13 and younger who have a million plus followers and are like, look, I got the new lipstick kit. And Oh, look at me do this dance. Oh my gosh. I'm a background dancer in this famous person's music video. And um, Bivy told me one night and she was really upset. She was like, Rebecca, I haven't done anything with my life. 
And I was like, babe, you're 12, you know? And she was like, but I mean, I, I I should be do. And, and then, and now today, quote unquote, doing something with your life is being TikTok famous or being Mm -hmm. Instagram famous. And, um, and like how sad that that's the standard. Okay. So follow up on that. Um, unless you have something else you want to add, I don't want to cut you off. I was going to say, that's why we did our, that's a big part of why we did our books. Uh, the second, the, you know, the first book we did, uh, hip hooray, I'm sorry, uh, chin up chinchilla is how do you engage with someone when that person's, you know, when everything's going bad for them? Like, how Mm -hmm. do you have empathy for someone? Um, and not just assume that they're angry or, or, you know, frustrated or, or they hate you. Sometimes it's not about you at all. Sometimes they just had a really bad day. Um, sometimes it's because there's other aspects of their lives that are just totally out of whack and uh, they just need someone to listen. Um, but then, you know, the second book, which I think in some ways is actually harder is uh, the second book we do is Hip for a Hippo. And, you know, it's about this little hippo and everything goes right for her. Like she's, she was always winning first prize and everything. She's, you know, always uh, the one that gets the accolades. How do you, uh, how do you relate to that? How do you respond to that? And, you know, in our book, it's, you celebrate along with them and that's hard to do. That's hard for adults to do, mm. you know? And I, I just think about your talking about your sister. It's like, ah, oh, it's hard because I think a 12 or 13 year old doesn't have the context that we have when we get older to see that that stuff is so fleeting, like likes and, you know, getting, cosmetic kits to talk about on Instagram. It's so temporary. It doesn't bring you joy. It might bring you a little bit of happiness and it might, it might uh, trigger that dopamine hit for you. But, but in light of, you know, life, it's, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, have you, uh, for one, yes, celebrating with friends who great stuff does happen for in the acting industry, a lot of people, you go out for something your friend goes out yeah. for. Cause a lot of my friends are going to be going out for that. And then they book it. And then you're like, and I actually on Instagram started like a dialogue. Cause a friend, I posted it and I was like, what do you do when you are so sad about where you are in your acting career right now? And, you, but your friend gets something amazing and you're happy. Like there isn't really a word where you are so happy for them and you are still so frustrated with where you are. Um, and so I'm excited to see what you guys do for book three, kind of like rounding out this trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, you were talking about, uh, I kind of want to go two different ways, but um, you were talking about like not doing the publicity tour because y'all aren't really wanting to make this your full-time job. Is it that you're still like hopping on podcasts to promote it? Like what's y'all's ambition right now? Trying to get a publisher? Yeah. So honestly, like this, this project is... Uh, both of these books are, in my opinion, they're Beth's books. Mm-hmm. Um, I very, very fortunate to work with her on them. Um, it kind of scratched a niche we both had. I always wanted to draw, do the illustrations for a children's book. Mm-hmm. I loved reading them when I was younger. I struggled with reading growing up. So for me, it was just looking, looking at the pictures mm-hmm. would help tell the story while my mom would read them to me. And that, that you know, I loved Dr. Seuss. I loved... Eric Carl stuff. I loved all that stuff just growing up and it's made a big impact on my illustration career today. But, you know, Beth just had a story she wanted to tell. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're friends and actually her husband, Ben, is a good friend of mine and an amazing illustrator. Um, and I was a bit stunned when she asked me if I would be willing to do the illustration for it. Um, but I did it but not because I wanted to make a bunch of money, not because I wanted a career change. Um, I just did it because it's one of those things. It's like, if I don't do this, I'll always wonder what it was like, would have been like to do a children's book. Yeah. So, you know, I'll never make back the money, the amount of time it took me to put into this. Like my, I had the hours, the time, the, uh, the energy, but that's fine. I have a physical children's book I wrote and that's, Mm -hmm. That's great in itself. The one thing it has done for me that will probably be more lucrative than ever having sold children's books is that um, I 
use it as an opportunity. And I do this oftentimes when I do a pro bono project or something that, uh, you know, isn't, isn't going to be very lucrative Mm -hmm. is I use it as an opportunity to learn some skills that I've wanted to develop. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I really use Adobe illustrator a lot and I, there's a lot of tools in Illustrator that I hadn't used and really wanted to spend time digging into. So I basically taught myself a lot about how to create custom brushes in Adobe Illustrator. And what, what was cool about that is not only did it add like a texture and add some, uh, you know, some fun aspects to the illustrations, uh, I used that knowledge as one of the campaign levels was if you give, I think it was a hundred dollars towards the book campaign on Kickstarter that I would put together an online workshop. And so I did, and we had several people attend and it was really, really fun, but I think I probably spent three days putting the curriculum together for this workshop. That was like a three hour workshop. And I mean, you know, at my hourly rate, that's like, $4,500 worth of hourly time to put together a workshop that I was going to do one time. And so afterwards I got, everyone was like, that was amazing. That was so much fun. I learned so much. And so I was like, well, I've got all this stuff. Like I've got all the assets from this. I've got the, the whole class I put together. Um, So I rented a space uh, in downtown Columbus area and I basically put it out there and I was like, 150 bucks for you to come out for a three hour hands-on illustrator tutorial. And I sold it out. So it's actually turned into something else I love to do, which I love to teach. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I love to kind of hang out with people. Like it, it's, it goes back to the social media thing. I'd much rather spend time with people in person than I would ever want to spend with them mm-hmm. um, on zoom or, or something else. So you know, there's these other things that happen a lot of times when you choose to do something that may not be lucrative, but you're doing it out of just the love for doing it, mm-hmm. that you start to find out, wow, that that like added a whole new aspect of my capabilities that I now use for other projects. It's actually opened me up because of the illustrations of this book to all sorts of new projects with clients I never thought I'd ever work with. Yeah. So yeah. And I mean, there's so much love that obviously went into this project. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like if you're going to put so much love into something, it's not just going to dissipate, you know? Mm-hmm. And I've just kind of like imagining like, and like maybe like a teenager one day coming up to you and being like, this was my favorite. Mm-hmm. This was the book someone read to me every night. Cause like, you know, I'm sure you have like three that you could think of for some reason, those were the, your go-tos. And I can think of those too. And the idea of like, if your book was the one that a kid wanted to hear every night, like, yeah. I, I mean, not to put words into your mouth, but I don't know if there's anything more special than that. Um, no, there isn't. And I get texts from people, especially like when the book started arriving after the Kickstarter campaign. So probably, you know, five or six months later after it was all printed and delivered back here. Um, when they started arriving, people would, uh, post videos of their kids or photos of their kids curled up in bed reading it, um, you know, with comments like, you know, Susie loves it or best mm-hmm. book ever. I, she asks us to read this to her every night. Um, and that's just super fun to, to and read. Also, kids are like the harshest critics. Like they mm. feel no need to stroke your ego right. at all. They're like, do you want the chinchilla book? No. Oh, okay. Right. Exactly. <laughs> we'll do another yeah. one. Um, you, were talk- you were talking about um, this opening up other opportunities, which I think is really cool. Can you talk about like one of them that kind of naturally came up through doing this book? Yeah. Like I said, I, I did that, that uh, workshop. And then what's been cool about that is I posted photos about it. I, I, you know, posted stuff on social media. Yes, I do post on social media, even though I don't care for it. Um, But uh, it has led to me being able to speak at conferences around the country and also do my workshop for professionals at the conferences. It's also uh, given me opportunities to uh, a couple colleges, universities will say, hey, we'd love to have you come in and we're going to invite all of our students and alumni for an evening to come in and take your class. So yeah, I mean, it's just, it's been really fun. I was supposed to do it a couple times over COVID, but that didn't obviously didn't happen. Uh, 
but I'm, I'm slated for a couple conferences coming up this fall. So hopefully those will happen. But, yeah. So uh, on your website, you do have like book me as a speaker, book me as a teacher. Has that all only happened since the books or were you doing that before as well? Um, I was speaking before one of my mm-hmm. workshops is specifically about that, that I do with uh, that Beth and I did at a conference a creative conference about a year or so ago. And that one was specifically about how to find that side project, um, how to like determine a good side project and how to, how to make it successful and launch it on Kickstarter and all that. Um, but I, I had opportunity every once in a while, mostly speaking at like a college or a university or something like that. But the book has opened up uh, more opportunities for me and um, what, a, what conference people love is flying, paying for one set of airline tickets and paying for one hotel room and having someone who not only can speak as a keynote speaker during the conference, but also can host a workshop. And most conferences make a good deal of money off of the pre-conference workshops. So um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, it makes you a, a a double threat. I was going to say triple threat, but I don't know what the third thing would be, but yeah, it allows you to kind of say, Hey, you know, as long as I'm going to be there, uh, you guys can pay me to do my workshop mm-hmm. and you can add that to your workshop listings. And then, and they're like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like then we don't have to fly, you know, another, a different person in to fill that spot and take care of all their expenses. So, um, yeah, it, it makes it, it does make me m- more, uh, it makes it, more desirable for a conference to have me come in and speak because I I can do both. So can I ask, because you've now been doing this for 25 years, just you being a graphic designer and whatnot. I'm not good enough to do this. Why are they asking me? What's self-confidence? Imposter syndrome, imposter syndrome. Yes. I, I, I don't know if you're really feeling it now, but like, was there a turning point where you got an opportunity and you were like, why would they want to talk to me about this? before you kind of move past that? I feel like I have, what I have to contribute is only stuff that I've learned just by it. it, When I go speak at conferences, I'm not usually telling people how to do great art or create great illustration stuff. Like that's, to me, it's more about my story of how I curate and work with the kind of people I want to work with. Mm. And that's something that's a little more provable. Uh, it's something that everybody that, uh, that does what I do, or it, frankly, it's what anybody does, it, whatever they happen to do. So, you know, it's about how to work with the kind of people you want to work with, how to create an environment where what you do has meaning and value. And it's not just another day of punching, you know, punching in and punching out, but how do you get a chance to, to, you know, kind of make a bigger difference, I guess. Would you like to elaborate on that? Um, maybe starting off with how do you attract the clients that you want to work with? Yeah. Um, So I I would say, so it's kind of one of those things where I think it's more of a curation process. And I heard someone the other day saying curating isn't necessarily going after somebody in particular, it's about taking what's in front of you and picking the best. So I don't do a lot of, or really any self-promotion. Like I don't go out and send promotional pieces out or, or any of that, but I have somehow I've cast a big net. I don't know how uh, people ask how I, my Google rankings are as high as they are. I, I wish I had a good answer for you, but I actually have no idea. I'm My best guess is I've been, I've been on the internet long enough and Mm -hmm. my website, you know, I keep it updated. uh, So Google likes it for some reason. Uh, But I get a lot of responses. I get a ton of inquiries through my website from people that don't know me from around the country. Um, And I've been doing this long enough to know that I know that I want to work with creative people. I want to work with mostly people that are entrepreneurial. I'm not interested. I do work with bigger companies. I've done some work with like Nickelodeon and stuff like that. And they've been, they've been decent to work with as far as this goes, but you know, some of the large companies like a Coca-Cola or a Nike or when you're young and you start out, like that's your dream. 
to work with a Nike or a Coca-Cola or, you know, some big name business. And there's nothing wrong with that until you work with them and you realize that, that everything you do has to get sifted through a pretty big uh, group of people. There's, there's, they, people have to worry about, you know, shareholders and, and, and all of that stuff and a board and, and all of that. Whereas what I like to do is work with people that are like, creative small businesses, creative entrepreneurs. Sometimes they're, you know, multi-generational family-owned businesses where somebody does something really, really well. Uh, they, it could be, you know, uh, an ice cream maker who's just does, makes amazing ice cream and, or it could be, you know, a, a, a multi-generational dairy farm that is ready to do something different. And, and where, you, where you get to actually sit down with the family and you get to hear the stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know that the people that are right in front of you are the decision makers, not something that has to, okay, this looks great. We're going to run it, run it through everybody. And then it comes back and it's like, oh, it just completely got destroyed in the mm-hmm. process of, of having to get 50,000 people's opinions, mm-hmm. you know? So I really, really love working with those small businesses. Um, that said, uh, I, you know, I, I also want to work with people who want to go through the correct process to do it. I get inquiries all the time. How much for a logo? How much for a logo? How much for a logo? And really what they're saying is, is I'm comparing you to Fiverr or I'm comparing you to, you know, uh, one of these other companies that, that, that'll do a logo cheap, most likely outsourced somewhere else. And I'm just not interested in that. I really want to help people tell their stories. Um, so if someone wants to work with me, they have to go through a pretty in-depth process. You know, it's not something I can turn around in a week. It's something that takes a couple months. Um, you know, we're going to bring in a strategist and we're going to get to know you. We're going to visit your location and we're going to talk with all the stakeholders. And we're, first thing we're going to do is we're going to write your story. Mm-hmm. And, and after we've written your story, then we can help create a visual brand identity. Mm-hmm. Um, so if somebody's like, yeah, I just don't have time for that. Or yeah, I don't, I don't think my company needs that. Then I'm like, great. There's lots of people out there that'll make a logo for you, mm-hmm. but that's just not what I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so that's part of the curation process is letting people know there's there. I'm not, there's nothing wrong with. And, you know, when I first started out, I, I recommend that people aren't nearly as picky, you know, you, you you got to do the work that pays the bills and you got to do whatever comes in front of you. But the longer you've been around and the older you get, and the more you've created a process that works and you've seen it work over and over again, um, the more you start to stick to that process. And every time you deviate from that process, you realize I shouldn't have done that because this didn't work out as well Mm. as it should have. Yeah. And it's like, then you get that reminder of you're like, Oh yeah. I hate that's this. why I do it this way. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And if somebody just is like, if somebody wants to compare your price to Fiverr or they've maybe found a freelancer in town that, that, that'll do it for half the price and you go, great. It sounds like you've right. got it taken care of. Yeah. Go yeah. for it. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure you get like an email back or you have at some point being like, well, so-and-so will do it for a hundred. And then you can right. be like, what a bargain. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's what I usually tell people. I'm like, go for it. You know, I get it. And, and usually my response is, I understand that not everybody needs my process. My process is really in depth and it's, uh, it's, you know, what's, what's interesting though, is a lot of times people will say that, well, I found somebody else who would go for half the price. And when I respond and say, yeah, well, you know, I just take the time to do it and it takes longer. And so it costs more. Um, I would say 50% of the time they'll call me back and they're like, you know what, uh, we want to do this right. Mm. And then they're willing to pay my, my rate and do it that way. Well, I remember um, on your initial interview on Joy Venture, you mentioned most people haven't asked for a rebrand or have never paid for a rebranding before. Most right. people haven't commissioned a logo before. And, um, and so like, they don't, they don't know what's normal. They don't know, um, what's to be expected. And so, yeah, it might sound huge, but it's their first time ever doing it, you know? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't expect anybody to understand 
what the process looks like or to create a logo or, or branding. If I did, a, if, if most of my clients were through agencies, which a lot of freelancers do is they'll, they'll, uh, they're designers, but most of the work they do is with a creative director or an art director at an agency who is then in turn doing it for their client. Mm -hmm. Then there's an understanding of the process, right? But with me, you know, most of the people I'm working with, they've had a corporate job and they've been doing it for, you know, a couple decades. And it's this side thing that they've been working on for all these years. And maybe they've tested it at the farmer's market or whatever. And they've become kind of known as, as the person who does this other thing. Um, and they're like, dang, I, I could, I'm at a point now where I could quit my day job and do this thing. They've never, they have no idea what it costs to have a brand done or have never been through the process. So I think sometimes designers or you name, you name it, whoever that person is, whatever you happen to do is, I think it's important to, to keep in mind that you shouldn't have an expectation that they've done this before or that they would have any knowledge of how in-depth it is or, you know, what it takes to do it right. Mm. I, so, um, mm. Sorry, I was wanting to ask, I'm always so interested about like the collaboration product process. Like as you were saying, this person's never commissioned this before mm -hmm. and you're not expecting them to know. Um, but whenever I've collaborated with someone on something, um, this photographer I work with, we work with some big brands and they'll be like, we want it modern and different and quirky, but this video, like make it the exact same. And mm -hmm. we're like, okay. Okay, cool. And we eventually get to the end where we're like trying to, we're like, what about this or this? And they're like, uh, no, just, just remake the video actually. Um, how have you found working, um, with these companies? Like, uh, do you have a specific story on how you were able to meet in the middle and create, like get someone's vision across? Yeah. I think part of the problem with being, with ranking high in, uh, on SEO is on Google is that I get this call and I get these calls all the time. Pick up the phone and they're saying like, you do logos? <laughs> like you just Googled graphic designer and it popped up and my contact information was there and you just hit the phone call button. Like mm -hmm. you, you, called, you called me without ever looking at my website. So I usually take that as an opportunity to help educate people to say, you should take a few minutes and look through my website because I may not be what you're looking for. Like I got, um, I got uh, offered a project last week where someone wanted a very specific illustration style and it was very clear. They had never looked at my website. Um, and it, you know, it was almost uh, photo montage meets like super realistic you know, illustration style. And I'm just like, so I, you know, usually I'll just send an email back, a link back and say, Hey, I really appreciate it. Here's, here's what I do. Here's the lane I'm in. I'm, I have, I can do some of this stuff. I can do some of this stuff, but honestly, I think for what you're looking for, we're probably not a good fit. Mm. And, and usually they'll say, you know, if they have looked at my stuff, they may say, yeah, but we're looking for something totally fresh and we saw your work and we'd like something more like that, then we can start that conversation. Um, but, you know, I, I, the older I get and the longer I do what I do, the more I realize what bookends my capabilities. That's not to say that I'm not willing to try something new, but uh, I, I won't take on a project if I know I can't do it. Uh, yeah. And, and so you have to say no sometimes to projects uh, but you also may find out that by saying no, they res they have a, a respect for you that's like, wow, you know, now that we do look at your stuff, we'd like to try that because it's different than anything we've done before. Mm -hmm. And and so, you know, I, I do think it's hard when someone says make something look like this. I understand. I put mood boards together for all the projects I do. I put together inspiration boards. So, you know, we are to a certain extent, using other people's photography, other people's designs, other people's illustrations and color palettes and stuff like that to kind of put together to make sure that the client, uh, that we and the client are on the same page mm -hmm. on projects. So, you know, obviously I, I, there is a, there are external inputs that are coming into, into the mix, but to say, I want you to create something that looks exactly like this 
-hmm. maybe I don't know. It just depends on the project. Yeah, totally. And as you were talking, because especially it kind of stings. I mean, if you're doing most of your communication over email, that can get kind of tricky. Um, But bringing it back to the book um, and how so much of working with people is having empathy. And so I'm sure when people imagine what you do, they're imagining kind of what I'm looking at right now, like you you know, without a mic, um, just sitting at your computer all day, but actually what so much of what you're doing is, um, collaborating, communicating, and then, and then like, you know, your graphic design is part of your art and that's part of something, you know, you can do. And so it actually is like very connected. It's you very much making something with someone else. Um, Mm -hmm. which is, it kind of sounds like the best of both worlds. Yeah. yeah uh, like last week I had a brand that I very fond of. They contacted me and said, we, uh, we think it's time for us to recreate or update our branding. Um, and so I, I asked them on the call to describe what they think needs to be done. I'm always interested in what the, before we get into it, like, what do you think needs to be done at this point? Um, and I want to see if their expectations align with what I think should be done. Mm-hmm. I try not to come into any project with preconceived ideas because, you know, what I think is not nearly as relevant as what's best for the brand or what the client thinks. So um, it was really funny, though, because like they held up their packaging and they said, well, we kind of like what's already going on here and we kind of like what's already going on here. And this this we, we don't want to change this. And they kind of went through the whole package and said, and narrowed it down to one little thing they didn't like. And I said, so basically what you're saying is, is you want a rebrand, a brand refresh, but you want to just change that one thing. And they just busted up laughing because they were like, yeah, that, that, that kind of doesn't make sense, does it? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I think it's just, I think part of it is, is people are afraid, especially with uh, a brand that's been around for a little while, already has a, a following on one hand, you know, it needs a refresh. On the other hand, you don't want to do something that causes the, you know, that causes everything to go off the rails. Mm -hmm. You've got something precious. Um, And so I think respecting the heritage of a brand is really, really important to understanding where they came from and making sure that Mm -hmm. you don't just step in and decide to wildly, you know, redesign everything, but to respect what it is that's working and, and toss the stuff that's not. Yeah. I'm also imagining like if you're working with a startup and these entrepreneurs have put their whole life on hold and they've been working towards this forever. And in the age we're working in, branding is everything. And so they are putting that into your hands of like, make us look good, make people, because it's like right now that is really everything. So the fact you're working with these people also who are starting out, it is such a vulnerable place to be in, Mm -hmm. you know, like who knows they could be taking out loans and, you know, doing their own GoFundMes and whatnot. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's a very, it's very big thing. Would you say by getting so personal with your clients, that's how you keep from like going stale, you know? Yeah, I think for me, like growing up, I was horrible in school. Uh, everything I remember from elementary school and middle school was from a field trip. Like I loved field trips. I lived for field trips. And, um, and so I kind of look at my job as a big field trip. Um, I love that when I work with an egg farm, I got to go in and I got to like when I, I get to go into the hen house and see how they take care of the, the hens and I get to like walk around the facilities and Um, I I absolutely love that. Like, I don't know how I could do a project without going through the process. I did a, uh, an athletic rebrand for a college outside Seattle and, you know, they kind of assumed that everything would be done over zoom. And I just said, I really, really need to come out there. I really need to meet with your constituent groups. I need to walk around your campus. I need to like see your athletic facilities. I want to meet with your athletic director and and your coaches. And they just hadn't put that in the budget for the project. But I said, I just, I just don't see how I can get the vibe for the college unless I'm, I've had a chance to experience it. And what's interesting is um, I always ask people, especially if, if I know that I'm one of many people they're, they're looking to, to have the design done. And then they come back to me 
And I said, so just curious, I mean, I know you had some other pretty big companies in line to, you know, lined up as potential uh, designers for this. I said, what made the difference? And they said, you're the only one that insisted on us paying to have you come out. Mm-hmm. You're the only one that cared enough to be willing. They said price was about the same across the board. You're the only one that said, I want to take my time to come out and meet with you. Mm-hmm. So I just, I think that that's, that's just a, a key part of what I do, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And also I'm sure like, I mean, let's just say the budgets are about the same. Well, that means part of your budget is you, you like, quote unquote, like losing out on some of the money, you know, you could just say like, yeah, I'm going to, I could pull it out and they don't know much about logos and they're like, Oh, that's a logo, you know? Yeah. But like, cause I mean, I'm sure it could be pulled over on someone and you don't need to say anyone specific, but like in the photography world, there's been a lot of issues with people stealing like very specific, like setups, you know, like we'll style it in this very certain glass bowl, pink background, hard light coming from the back, you know, with a cake, you know, and then it'll pop up somewhere else. Like, very, very similar, um, where it's like, it's, it's pretty, you know, it's been, uh, it has that become a problem sometimes in the industry. Cause there are like trends and what people respond to, you know? Um, yeah, I, I'm old school when it comes to design. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with communication arts magazine. Mm-hmm. It's, it's probably in the design illustration photography world is probably one of the most, respected magazines that are out there. It's been going on longer than just about anybody else. You know, others have kind of come and gone, but they do annuals every year. I'm sure if you saw them, you'd recognize them, but they do like quarterly annuals and kind of showcase the best work that's happening. And, and a lot of times it's like a snapshot of like, what is illustration in 2020? What is photography look like in 2020? And it's, it's very well curated. The work in it is amazing. Like, best stuff in the world in it. Um, super inspiring. But, you know, for years I submit stuff and I just wouldn't get anything in there. But um, there's a major publisher that does design books called Rockport Publishing. And they do, uh, there's another one called Logo Lounge that's out there. And what I started to realize was my work was getting picked up a lot for these hardcover books. And um, I think the reason is I've never really asked anybody, but this, but this is, this is my theory on that is that the work I do doesn't look so 2020. It doesn't look cutting edge. Now Uh, I'm more interested in, you know, if I'm working with a small business or an entrepreneur and it's, they're basically taking all of their life savings and maybe some money that their families invested to help get them started. I'm not going to create a brand for them. That's going to be, visually irrelevant in two years Mm. like it's not so now I need they need something that's going to be sustainable for the next decade Uh, so a lot of stuff that I do ends up in these you know book publications because they're more interested in something that's going to be able to be printed and sit on the shelf for the next decade Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah I mean I tend not to I I mean I'm sure that uh, that I'm influenced by colors and trends and stuff like that but um, I don't pay as much attention to that as you would think. Yeah. I can, can I ask, um, just cause like graphic design is so out of my element and I love learning mm-hmm. about different mediums. What is like, what's hot right now, but like, what is like the trends that you are seeing in 2021 just out of curiosity? Um, you know, I do think simply because of COVID, uh, illustration has become a much bigger deal over this last year versus photography. I mean, I, I do photography as well. And my, I didn't, I don't think I made a dime in photography last year because, uh, you know, everybody had to be six feet apart wearing masks, uh, you know, any events that would have been covered or, you know, I, I'm sure that if you were, well, I mean, you, you do acting, mm-hmm. it was probably a slow year for you, you yeah, know? It was. Uh, so, so where you can't get people together and do and set up photo shoots you can always hire an illustrator to mm-hmm. kind of communicate the same stuff. So, um, you know, there've been some things I think that have been necessary changes just because of, of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. 
as far as as far as other design trends go, I'll be completely honest and I'm not trying to be aloof. I really don't know. <laughs> I I honestly don't know. I mean, I, I again, I've been I've been doing this for so long and I'm uh I'm kind of a little bit in a bubble. And I think some people would look at that as a weakness. I kind of look at it as a strength, but everybody does things the way they do things for a reason, but Yeah. Um I honestly don't know what what's going on today that's that's you know yeah no it's fine. I don't know what I don't know what the soup of the day is yeah yeah no but also like you I think it's like really important that everyone has their own style and that's something mm-hmm. you've been cultivating for because mm-hmm. like for me as like the art that I'm making in different mediums like I'm still like kind of picking and choosing and right now I am kind of for my own personal not that I like try to have a brand but as my friends know, like how I dress and whatnot, it's still kind of being fine-tuned and you've been doing that for, um, for a while. Okay. I have like three more questions, um, to like wrap us up. Um, what do you suggest for creatives? Um, cause I kind of poked at you at the beginning. You don't like social media, but for people around my age are stepping into marketing their stuff now. I, I mean, do you, do you think there is a way for us to do that without engaging social media? Oh, uh, I mean, I think it's always good to, to try to meet people in person. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm one of those people that's like, if everybody is doing this, then maybe you shouldn't do that. Like, you, it, it's not a bad thing to have some involvement in it. Uh, and it, it, but I'm just not one of those people that thinks you should ever put all your eggs in one basket. So, um, you know, maybe while everybody else is looking to Instagram to curate, uh, their work, you could do a print package that you mail out. Like Mm -hmm. maybe there's ways to, to disrupt the system a bit that way. And I, I'm, that's just kind of the way I look at stuff. Um, I think that if you do really, really great work, um, you're, you'll get work today. Um, but I honestly, I think even more than great work is just being a good person and a good, uh, a good partner to people. Um, I, I don't know if I can overstate that enough because I, I meet a lot of people that are, I'm kind of the go-to guy when somebody has been you know, had a successful design career and they're ready to leave their business to go start their own thing. Like they want to leave their, wherever they happen to be the agency they're in to go start their own thing. And, um, you really need to be prepared to do a lot of work when you do that. And part of it is being responsive. Part of it is, you know, getting back with people. Part of it is treating people kindly. Um, there's just so many different things that go about about it. And there's so many people that don't do it well, that a lot of times when people find someone who's like, oh my gosh, they've never missed a deadline. Oh my gosh, they communicate with me through the entire project. I feel like I'm an integral player in this process. And when I contact Jeremy and I have feedback or questions, or maybe I don't understand what he's doing, he doesn't get offended by it. He listens and addresses the concerns. Mm. those are really important, almost more important than the design itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, that's what I tell people a lot of times is your reputation is not necessarily based on how great your work is. It's oftentimes based on how well you treat people. Um, mm-hmm. I call it loving people through your work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, I think that is probably the most important thing for me. Like mm-hmm. whether I you know, get to do the project I've always dreamed of, I would much rather be known for loving people through what I do, uh, loving people through my work than I would ever say like, I, you know, uh, get notoriety for, for some big project that ended up going viral. Yeah. I went viral. Like I I've had friends that like went viral and then it's like, Hannah went viral once and (laughs) it's like, Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, right. It's like people have such a short attention span. And it's it's the same with acting where, y- you know, you'll hear of famous people. Um, but also just in my own little personal circle is, y- you know, there was a guy in a show and I was like, oh, you know, like we were talking about everyone's strengths in the show and he wasn't a standout. But she said, Rebecca, he was so nice. 
He had all of his lines memorized immediately. And then the next show he was cast in it. Like, and there was another guy who was more flashy and like method and Marlon Brando or whatever, but he was a nightmare. And, um, I don't know. I think you can tell. Um, but, um, okay. Play play well with others, right? Like be a, be a good person, show up when people want you there, be there on time Mm -hmm. and just don't be a jerk. I mean, that goes a long way. Yeah, it, it really does. Um, okay, so two questions. One is just nosiness. Why did you stop making Joy Ventures? Because you were very good at it. Oh, uh, so Thad is one of my very close friends. Part of it is uh, we just got really busy with other projects. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been talking about restarting it. Um, we we kind of stopped it. And then right about the time we were starting to talk about doing it again, COVID hit. And then a year, another year's gone by. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, we like to do them in person as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we did a road trip down to Nashville. Uh, we did a road trip out to Indianapolis. So, you know, we, we like to do them in person. Um, it goes back to that whole, you know, process of getting in someone else's space and kind of seeing, you know, being inspired by it. So there's that. Um, and, you know, we're both, uh, solopreneurs and we have a lot going on. We both are dads. Um, you know, my son who's sitting right behind me, mm-hmm. he graduated from high school last year. He's helping me out actually going into graphic design and illustration. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's doing a lot of work and Thad's in the same situation. He has kids that are exactly the same age as mine. So we just kind of put it, put it on the back burner for a little bit. Um, we've, we've been th- rethinking about it a lot recently and I'm sure once things start to clear up and we can get back into people's uh, environments and interview them again, we'll be doing it. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's good. Um, I mean, I feel like I keep coming back to bit like, you know, how you want to work, you know, and you're yeah. getting to go into their environment. And so, I mean, that's one of the reasons I tried to creep on you as much as possible. Um, <laughs> also, I'm, I, I don't know the one of the reasons I like doing this is I, you know, Jeremy, you're great, but I never would have met you in a million years. <laughs> and so the, it's a fun, it's a fun way to, I don't know, get to experience someone else's life. Okay. So the search for pink, I think it's actually funny that y'all's podcast is called joy ventures. Um, because the search for pink started for me, it was a mental health project on Instagram before I even knew much about mental health. I was acting will beat you up emotionally. Um, it's really hard. And so I decided I was going to find one positive thing a day. Um, and that was going to be the quote unquote pink. And it was finding the joy in something. And, um, so whenever, I mean, in a rough time, not even creatively, but like even during COVID, I know it's been so rough on our emotions and our well beings. What is like one small way that you've been able to take care of like yourself? Because I already work from my studio at home mm-hmm. um, because, uh, you know, like I said, my son's on online college right now for his first year. We've spent a lot of time together. Um, we've, he and I will go to the coffee shop, the ones that are open and, or we'll work outside somewhere. And I think it's probably brought him and I a lot closer. Um, we ended up buying motorcycles in the fall. And so we get out and ride a lot. Um, and my daughter, you know, I, I would say COVID has brought my family together tighter than we've been in a really long time. Um, you know, our kids have extracurricular stuff. They do. They're involved in the evenings. My daughter's in theater. My, you know, my kids do stuff uh, and it all got canceled. So what do you do? You hang out as a family. And uh, it's honestly, I think, one of those things we'll look back on and be like, man, that was cool. Like that really brought us together as a family. So that's probably the biggest thing for me. Um, And I would say 2020 was the biggest year my business has ever had. Um, I would have never guessed that when everything went down last year when it did, but it, it turned out to be a really good year business-wise. So um, yeah, I mean, I got, I'm blessed. There's a lot to, there's a lot to be, thankful for. Um, and it's not because I've gone out and hustled for it. You know, I'm not, I'm not a hustler when it comes to stuff like that. It's, it's just because I do my best to just, you know, do the best work I can for people and, and 
you know, love, love them and love their businesses. And, um, you know, that's, that's kind of it. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like what you've been able to give to people and even like doing some of that work for free, I'm sure, um, with, mm-hmm. for the different organizations you're passionate about. Um, yeah, I think it's definitely set into perspective. I'm glad your business has done so well, but also, um, I stayed with my family, um, in between leases for about six months with like baby siblings, you know, and it, I don't know, part of me is like, I want different stuff in life. And then the other part of me is like, dude, I could just hang out with my siblings all day and Mm -hmm. I don't know, watch movies eat breakfast and I'm good. (laughs) Yeah. You know, well, it's like the family vacation, the stuff you remember most about family vacations are the ones where like my daughter or my, my wife is always talking about the the time when they went camping and got lost and they got lost in the woods on a hike and ended up getting picked up, you know, miles away by a, a, a park ranger in the middle of the night. You know, it's the stuff that it's the, the time that you were on your way to Disneyland and your, your car broke down and completely changed the plans and you ended up staying at that divey hotel, but it's the stuff that you remember the most. Um, and I think, I think in some ways, you know, 2020 was rough for a lot of people. I'm not saying it was easy for me or that everything was, you know, was perfect by any means, but, um, I do think that there's, there's, they're kind of character building events in our lives. And I think 2020, I I didn't get nearly as impacted as my son did. He, he graduated from high school the year when he couldn't have his commencement, when he lost his varsity year of playing, uh, uh, playing tennis, he lost his, uh, spring choir concert, which is like the, the kind of like the, the big deal for the seniors and, uh, didn't, weren't able to do their prom there, you know, so, you know, there's a lot, but just, I think just being able to watch him go through that and deal with that and, uh, it's, is really cool. I think the kids that, that graduated in that class are going to have a different perspective on life than other kids will. And I think it's going to do them, it's actually going to do them a, a service rather than a disservice in life. So. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like in media and movies and stuff, like it, it's very much like, this is what being a senior is. Right. And then yeah. this generation's going to be like, really? And it's not right. even being homeschooled. It's just like, no, this whole thing was taken away, right. you know? And yeah, like we think there's, there are some things that are concrete and actually, you know, nothing yeah. is. Yeah. There's nothing, there's nothing in life you can really count on, uh, on actually happening. You know, you, if you'd have told someone two years ago, this was going to happen, they'd have laughed at you. Like you were going to erase kids the half the, you know, the last quarter of kids school and they're not going to have a commencement or whatever. It's just, it's just came out of left field. But I think what it does is it really just kind of shines a light on the fact that, you know, even with our best intentions and our best plans, they don't always work out. Um, And, and we can find the silver lining anyways. So. And also I think um, just to commend your son and um, his peers is if you would have told them or anyone like, Hey, you're not going to get this. I, like before all of this happened and that would have been crushing and it would have been like, I don't think I can handle that, you know? Mm-hmm. And then it's actually a lesson of like, actually, I did not realize I was as capable as I am. Yeah. You know, I didn't Resilience. think. Resilience. Yeah, for sure. So um, kudos to him. And thank you so much for sharing um, an hour of your time. Um, mm-hmm. I really appreciate it. Is there anything else you want to no, I'm, I, uh, I'm just thankful to be able to be on your podcast. Looking forward to listening to other episodes and getting to know you better. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Um, well, thank you so much, Jeremy. I really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, thank you. I, it's an honor to be able to talk with you today. Oh, please. All right. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious. I really appreciate it. Thank, thank you. you. You're lovely. I appreciate it. All right. Well, have a wonderful day and keep well. in touch. All right, y'all. That was Jeremy Slagle. Um, Jeremy, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I had a lot of fun learning from him. Um, this is the first, uh, I don't, this is someone, no, I guess Megan Hunt's in the first season. Um, but talking to someone that's farther in their career has established their business. Um, I talked to a lot of um, people maybe like one step ahead of me who are working full-time freelance Um, have established themselves as artists and have a, you know, are growing that. And it was really cool to talk to Jeremy as someone who, I don't know, kind of like 
he's been doing his work. Um, sorry, Jeremy, if you hear this, but like as long as I've been alive, um, it's it's true. And so talking to someone who has been working at it for so long and some of like the ideas that I've begun to form of like it's less about the notoriety of a product or a project. Um, a lot of it has to do with like, are you working with nice people? Are you working um, with cool people who are enjoyable to spend their uh, spend time with? Um, that is something that's been bouncing around in the back of my head. And turns out I'm right. So all right. High five to me. High five to us. High five to Jeremy. Um, if you want to check out his work, you can Google him. It's Jeremy Slagle. Um, Jeremy and then Slagle, S-L-A-G-L-E. Um, if you have a kiddo or there is a kiddo in your life, um, chin up chinchilla in hip hip hooray hippo. Um, I was, you know, I, I read it. I wanted to obviously read both and I did and I was reading chin up chinchilla and sometimes you're like, has every single thing about a kid's book already been said? Um, because they're so simple. Um, but I really, really loved them. I highly suggest ordering them for a child in your life. I don't think any of my friends are pregnant. Who knows? Probably soon, honestly, at this point in my life. And I know what I'm going to be ordering them. Like I kid you not, I'll actually be doing that. Um, anyways, guys, I love you. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe the Search for Pink podcast. You are listening to this. You either are holding your phone or it's sitting on your kitchen counter while you do dishes or you have your AirPods in. Go to the Search for Pink podcast on iTunes. Review me. Give me five stars and uh, send this to a friend. And then shoot me a message if you would like, um, either at the search for pink at gmail.com or Rebecca Botter at gmail.com. I will respond to either. Let me know what you thought. Um, reach out and say hi. You can tell me I did a good job. Um, I can tell you, you did a good job listening. I'm just blabbing. Anyways, please, please do review. It helps people find us and it makes me feel good. And, um, (laughs) not like this is what life's about, but, um, that would be nice. I'd like that. Um, and Jeremy did a great job. Thank you for talking to me, Jeremy. I love you guys. You know I love you and I will talk to you soon. Bye-bye.